Hey, Will I Like It listeners, do you like a good cup of coffee, one that's rich, flavorful, and ethically sourced? Then you need to check out Dynasty of Coffee, a Yorkshire-based online coffee business that offers a range of expertly crafted blends. All of their coffee is roasted to order to ensure freshness, and they're committed to nurturing the well-being of both individuals and the planet. Whether you're a fan of a bold, strong coffee or a smooth and mellow one, Dynasty of Coffee has a blend for you. Their four main blends are inspired by different British dynasties, Saxon, Viking, Tudor, and a decaf Hanoverian. So if you're looking for a delicious and ethically sourced cup of coffee, head to dynastyofcoffee.co.uk today and use the code SAXON10, that's SAXON, all capital letters, 10, at checkout for 10% off your first order. Enjoy! Hello and welcome back to the Will I Like It podcast. Today I'm with David Watson from the Moorforge Viking Settlement in Gilcruz. Yes. I think I said that right. You think you did, I was near yeah. enough. Um, we're currently sat in Deerham Church because it's a bit windy and we've come somewhere a bit quieter than Moorforge where my daughter's currently playing harmonica. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've not comment. <laughs> <laughs> so we thought we'd come and talk a little bit about what David does. Yeah and a little bit about local history, mm -hmm. the Vikings in Cumbria, and um, see where we go from there. Yeah. Yeah, so what is it you do at Moorforge? I am the village for Gilcruise Village. I'm the general blacksmith, uh, and I'm the owner of Moorforge, and we're just developing a little living history site there based on, on the Viking period, uh, picking up on the local Viking history. So to that end, we've got mm. ourselves a forge and a longhouse and a workshop, another longhouse under construction. Uh, and then at a later date, once this one's done, we'll be adding a, a little church, an early Christian Viking church, uh, and an animal barn. And this kind of links us in as to why we sat here in Deerham Church. Yeah. Uh, because the Vikings coming into the West Cumbrian area sailed up the Solway from the Isle of Man after they were chased out of Ireland. And so on the whole, they were already converted to Christians. So there were early, early Christians that came here and they came as farmers and settlers. So mm. unlike the East Coast, we didn't get the, uh, the raiding that, that the Danish Vikings did. We had the Norse Vikings yeah. who came out through Ireland. Uh, and as I say, they settled, farmed, mixed in with the local community, married the locals, and within a couple of generations had blended into the background. Uh, which is quite interesting because people will say, well, what do we know about the Vikings now? What happened to the Vikings? The Vikings are still here. Mm. The Viking blood is in the local blood. It's in the place names. You can find the artifacts in the churches. Like the sort of local dialect and stuff is sort very of much based around the, the Cumbrian dialect. Yeah, uh, it, it's got a lot of the Norse language in it. It's very mm. strong accent. Um, I've got my Sunder voice on here. Otherwise, people in general <laughs> can't hardly understand me because <laughs> it, it yeah. is a really strong accent. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's 
so we're in a good place here. I mean, this church, there's parts of it. The tower is Norman. Uh, there's a lot of artifacts in here. There's quite a, an interesting wheel cross as you come in uh, with, a, with a heavy shaft on it. Early Christian, but it has the pagan image of Yadrasil up, up, up the front of the shaft. Mm. Uh, and then the font, when there's, there's dragons carved into the font, and it's pagan iconography on early Christian religious artifacts. So it's that crossover period, the early Christian mm. period, and it would almost suggest that the, uh, the Norse settlers who came into Cumbria, yeah, they were Christian, they had to be in order to trade, to mix, to live here, they had to become Christian. But they were kind of edging the bets. There's always this little mm. bit of pagan iconography going on that we see in the early Christian settlers. Yeah. So, which, which, yeah, explains why we sat in a church discussing this, as well as the fact it's not very nice outside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's that side of things as well, isn't it? Everyone wants to be a Viking, and it's all about Thor and Odin and yeah. that side of things. And a lot of people seem to want to distance themselves from the Christian side, but it's, it's not something the Vikings did. It's part and parcel, if we're being honest about it. Uh, they were just another people. Mm. You know, there weren't these big blonde giants running around waving axes and killing everybody and shouting for Odin. And they were farmers, mm. they were traders. Uh, trading was the big part. Um, and they were supreme traders, but that was based on the development of the Viking longship. It's how they came to be here. Mm. It's how they came to trade over most of Europe and down into the Middle East. The far-reaching trade routes that they had, uh, they were supreme traders. Uh, but... In order to trade, they had to become Christian because the Christian world wouldn't trade with pagans. Mm. So they're quite happily there. You know, they weren't bothered. Trading's more important than religion. It's another, us, another one to add to your pantheon. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And it's just, it, it, they're very practical people. Yeah. It's the practicality of it. You can't, you can't not make a living, so mm. you do what you have to do. Mm. So, yeah, and then when we've based Moor Forge, on that early settler period from when the, 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 the Norse Vikings came here and settled and as I said, they came as farmers and uh, they were very good at it, mm. yeah. And there's not a big difference between the, uh, the Vikings and, and, and the Saxons who were here before them, you know, the, 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 it's very similar. Mm. You, you still got that early Christians, they're both early Christians, both believed in similar things, even the languages were reasonably similar. There are all these Germanic languages they could mm. get by. Uh, they're quite happily integrated and married amongst themselves. And as I said, Vikings became Cumbrians and Cumbrians became Vikings. And, and so we have really mm. strong links and people don't realise it. Other than the stone artefacts that were left in that short period when the first came, there's very little trace. An early medi you know, an early medieval Englishman's house was pretty much like a, a Viking settler's house. Mm. I mean, you, you can't, it's really difficult to date. We have, up in the Lake District, there's plenty of sites with 
Viking-esque buildings. We find the remains and stone footings of buildings. But you can't really date it and say, well, that's Viking. Because they were all farmers. So they all had the same attitude. You found, the, you found spindle worlds in every house. Didn't matter where you come from. You had, a, you yeah. had spindle worlds. You had uh, farming equipment. You had farming tools. And you're using the same things. Mm. So if you're digging up a genetic building of the time, all the artifacts are similar. It doesn't matter who was living in the house. They all had similar stuff. Mm. Um, so and people forget this. And they think, oh, well, Vikings are long gone. But they're not. They're still here. I've even read that the, the way the farms are laid out all over Cumbria and the dry stone wall in itself, that's all a, I think, Western Norwegian technique. Yeah. That goes which, back which to the Vikings is, which is, again. Which is exactly where, where these guys came from. So the evidence is right yeah. there. You know, you're driving yeah. down the road, you, you see it. You can follow it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's quite interesting. And when you start about dialect, the Norwegian Vikings, some came round into Ireland and then mm. came here, and some swept up into Iceland and settled Iceland. Now, Icelandic, they're a very, it's a very pure race. The, the, it's only in recent times that other people have gone there. Mm. It, the Icelanders were very true to the roots, and the language never changed. Mm. A, a modern Icelander can pretty much read the old sagas that were written a thousand years ago. The language hasn't changed. Mm. And as a consequence, I've spoken to Icelanders, and if I use really broad Cumbrian words, really heavy dialect words, yeah. Icelanders understand it. It's the same words. Yeah. And uh, an example would be in Espatria, there's a road in Espatria, Outgang Road. Well, Outgang, it's, it's the way out. It's, it literally means the way out. It sounds a bit like outgoing. Yeah, out, I, out, yeah. outgang, road yeah. out. It's, it's, it's road out. And mm. uh, Iceland, Icelanders for home, they would say ham. Well, if you're in Cymru, it's yam. Mm. In the Cumbrian dialect. And they use the same with children playing. An old, an old Cumbrian word for children playing is, oh, kids laking. That's what Icelanders say, laking, children's mm. lake, the player. Mm. And, and so it goes on, and, and it's yeah. right through, you know. Mm. And then there's the, the generic words, gill, fell, any place name ending in by, all these kind of things. It all comes from the Norse. Mm. Yeah, so really strong influence. Yeah. Mm. So what is it that gets you to go from being a blacksmith to building a Viking settlement in your backyard? Uh, that was a bit American of me there, wasn't it? Yard. Yeah, Garden. Out the yard. <laughs> I don't know why I said yard. Yeah, well, got a grip. <laughs> Although the Vikings did get to America, we are led to believe. <laughs> uh, anyhow, yeah. uh, no, it, circumstances, it's, it's pure happen chance. I mean, I was aware that Vikings were in the area, and I've sort of always had an interest in a bit of local history, as it were. And uh, I went self-employed nearly 20 years ago now. Uh, I was down at Sellafield working with contractors down there. Mm. And then uh, I finished there and I set up, I thought, well, I'll do my own thing. And I set up the blacksmith shop where I am now at uh, Moor Forge. And at the time I was looking for uh, 
any sort of help I could get, really. Mm. And uh, there was a guy I knew who, and I thought, well, he's dealing with having a very sketchy idea of what he's done. I thought, well, he's dealing with uh, grants and so on. And this was Martin Clark of Grandpa's Training and Heritage. Uh, and I went along to see him. His offices were just down the road from where I lived. So I went to see him and he says, no, 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 we don't do those sort of grants. And he explained that what he does is uh, youth exchange work throughout Europe. Mm. And he was doing student exchanges based on traditional crafts. And the idea was he was finding modern uses for traditional skills. If you've got a use for it, it doesn't die out. No, it, was, yeah. it was to sustain these traditional skills. And a lot of the East European youngsters had this skill set still, but they were desperate to go from a rural lifestyle to a town lifestyle. And this, that. Mm. You know, it's natural people want to improve their lives. Mm. But they still had this skill set. It was there in the families and so on. So it was fine. So he was sending students out there to learn skills and they were coming over here on exchanges. And I got involved in that as one of his trainers and when he had groups over, I was doing little bits of blacksmithing with them. And this uh, continued for quite a while. So this was, as I say, it was Martin Clark of Grampus Training and Heritage. And I would highly recommend anybody looking to do something hands-on, travel, see a bit of Europe, mm. see, what, see what Grampus have to offer. You won't regret it. Do some fantastic uh, training weeks for, for, for students. At some of them do like five, six-week blocks in various places. Mm. Like, and you, you get all over Europe. You know, I've been all over with them. Fascinating stuff. Mm. Learn a lot of things. And you live with the locals, work with the locals. And it's fully funded. Mm. Brilliant opportunity for young people. Anyhow, back on track. Um, so, yeah, so I'd done that, but while I was working with him, uh, I met a woman called Margaret Holman's daughter, and she was over with a group of students from Iceland. And I had a chat with her, and I thought nothing more of it. And then it was about a couple of weeks later, she emailed me and said, oh, we're over in Iceland, we're recreating a, uh, a Viking period iron smelt. Would you be interested in being involved, being the blacksmith on the smelt? Mm. Oh, damn right, I would have. So I went out for a long weekend in Iceland, and we ran this smelt uh, in a turf furnace. And uh, it turns out it was the first time anybody had done a smelt in a turf furnace since the Viking area. Wow! So we we got. Uh, we got the dibs in on that one <laughs> uh, and that was just purely by chance yeah. because I'd never done an iron smelt before Margaret hadn't done one and it was just what she'd read in books and she'd read up on these yeah. Viking furnaces and said oh we'll give this a go so you know more power to her hmm. so while I was there she said oh I'm busy writing a project would you like to be a partner in the project again yes of course so as part of that uh, we had a group of Icelanders and various other people came over and we built the little turf roof forge, a moor forge, that was part mm. of the project. We'd done one similar in Iceland. Uh, we worked on a Saxon long haul in Germany. We built a fisherman's hut in Denmark and we moved a village log cabin in the mountains of Romania. And it was 
each shared traditional skills in mm. construction. And, it, and there's a lot of crossovers in the building methods and so on. So it's yeah. quite interesting to do these exchanges. And it was stretched over a two-year period. So at the end of this project, I'm, there I'm sat with an interest in the Viking period and a Viking forge in the field behind me. I was thinking, well, what am I going to do with this? <laughs> so I thought, oh, I could do it a long house to go with it. And it's just... And it just sort of snowballed. I got a little bit of funding money together. Yeah. And uh, it, went, it went from there to buy the materials. And over, over the next couple of summers, I built our first longhouse. And, it, it, and, it's, and it's gone from there. So now it's, we're doing school days. We do various events, sites for private hire if you want. Mm. You know, so there's anything at all, really. But it's all yeah. about... Ultimately, I'm wanting, ultimately, to get back to the traditional skills, educate on local history, and promote traditional crafts. That's yeah. That's what I want. Which to is do. what you're doing with the the new build, isn't it? So and you've got your I'm new doing, longhouse, yeah. and you've been running that as courses. And we've run it as courses as round. Over last summer, it was run. The build was run as a series of round timber framing courses. So now the frame's complete. So uh, over this summer, I'm hoping to get it not complete, but at least a roof on and weather tight. Mm. Um, and then after that, there's loads of work, especially on the inside, because we have all the detail work and yeah. wood carving and finishing and metal work. A lot and, of work, Ed. A lot of work to, yeah. to, to kit it out, yeah. It's a big old longhouse. So, but it kind yeah. of comes to that point then is, so how do you fund a project like Moorforge? Because we should probably... Uh, this People do ask, don't they? And they well, yeah, well, well, it? well, mostly it's been out of my own pocket. I yeah. mean, I did get... The first build was done through the Grampus project because mm. it was a partner project, so I got funded for, for the uh, little forge through that. The materials for the Longhouse build were funded by the local wind farm company. Uh, they were just setting up at the time, mm. and I got a sum of money off them for materials for that. Uh, I've tried for funding since things have really tightened up with funding and I don't like apart from the fact I don't like doing all the paperwork and forms <laughs> for them because it's just a nightmare <laughs> yeah but also I feel in these days when if, if hospitals are struggling for funding I feel that I'm a bit of a cheek wanting funding to build a longhouse so I've kind of, I don't know, and it's kind yeah, of... Yeah, it comes from it, a different source. So. I know, but it's sort of a personal yeah. view on it. And thinking, well, So I'm kind of funding, I'm funding it myself. The mm. frame was funded through the Round Timber Framing courses last mm. year. Uh, we also built a small workshop outside, which is complete. Now, part of the longhouse frame and the workshop are clad with planks. Now that was paid for through GoFundMe. Mm. All donations, because that's what we received, obviously. Yeah, so what we'll do afterwards is we'll pop a link down in the description. Yeah. And if, if you, you want to help yeah. fund the project, I mean, when it'd we go be, back... It'd be much appreciated because, see, you know, it's, it's sort of, we're looking at £10 a plank. So... <laughs> how many do you need? Oh, quite a few. <laughs> it's, a, it's an 18-metre longhouse. Yeah. And so far, we've clad about three metres of it. So there's 
Plenty of planking to go, yeah. So yeah, if you can afford to chip in a little bit of money on the mm. GoFundMe page. Yeah, I can guarantee all, all the GoFundMe money is for buying planks. Yeah. Uh, I'll put in some of my own money as the summer goes mm. on. Uh, like I say, I want, a, I want a functioning building by winter, so whatever. But yeah, I can 100% guarantee any money on a GoFundMe to mm. move a forge will be spent on materials. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, when we're done here, we'll pop back to Moorforge and make some food and stuff. Yeah. Um, and if it's not too windy, we'll try and do a quick tour quick of the buildings tour, yeah. so you can see what's there if you haven't seen yeah, it before. Give you an idea um, of exactly what we do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're open some various dates throughout the year anyway, aren't you? Yeah, if you uh, watch the Moorforge page, there's any events coming up will be advertised on there. Uh, if you're, if you if you just want to pop in at some point, um, just drop us a line. It'll either be a yes or a no. If I'm on boat, I'm quite happy to mm. do. Give you the quick guided tour. Um, like I say, it, it's for hire. Campers mm. are welcome. If you're looking for somewhere to pitch camp, uh, if you're in the area, you can you can certainly come and do that. Mm. Uh, might be a good opportunity. You can go go walking and, yeah. and visit Moor Forge all in one. If you're up for the weekend <laughs> or something like that, you know. So yeah. The Folk Festival the coming folk up. The Folk Festival coming up. Uh, I have a lot on personally this year. Um, mm. And I'm doing a lot of uh, work on site as well this year. So mm. we're not doing the big Vike event this year like we did last. It, it, we put, we're postponing that. That's till, the Strada Herd? The Strada Polish group. Herd, yeah. It's yeah. Eastern. Yeah, they're the East, Eastern, Eastern style, style Polish guys. Yeah. They're good. They're good. Yeah, so they're going to do that next next summer. That'll be. Yeah. Mm. So that'll be that'll be on next summer. So watch for that. That'll be an excellent event, and it should be quite a big one as well. Mm. I mean, it's one of the reasons they've skipped this year is so that we can guarantee the numbers for who's doing what next year. Yeah. Gives us more time to organise. Get people pulled in. Yeah. 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 I mean, Moorforge is sort of partly responsible for what I do as well with my courses, really. Yeah. Because I sort of did the cookbooks and then... Well, that's it. It was mentioned that maybe I could run a course alongside mm. someone else. They pulled out, but we sort of went ahead anyway. Yeah, um, it went well. And it's kind of spiraled out of control. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, the hobby that's getting out of control, over. I keep saying yeah, it. Yeah, you're doing, more, <laughs> you're doing more cooking than decorating these days. <laughs> well, it's getting that way. Yeah. Yeah. And it, which is why I'm up at the moment is we're doing the course with mm. Hamish, which again, by the time this goes out, yeah. it's, but we're going to do another one of those, I think, yeah, at some point. Yeah, with, it'll, be a, it'll be a good weekend. Yeah. We'll look forward to this. So, yeah, so that's the main thing you want to do with the site, really, isn't it? Is promote yeah. the traditional skills. And um, education. Education and skills. Yeah. 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 That, that's what it's all about, really. Mm. Uh, and people just come along and enjoy themselves. And private diet has... Private Eye is a good fundraiser as well. Mm. Again, you know, I have yet, after, after nearly 20 years, I have yet to make any money off the site. <laughs> one day. It's just one day, one, one day. day. Yeah. yeah. That's expensive but, uh, having your own privately funded longhouse. <laughs> well, uh, well it's, I've had some really good nights though. I mean, it's yeah. sort of, it's, it's, I've, I don't leave home now because the site's sort of become my <laughs> social life, <It's>, yeah. <laughs> you know. People come to me, so you know it's not all bad. Yeah. So yeah. Hmm. Well, should we head back to Moorforge? We can head back to Moorforge now. I say, if it's not too windy, we can do a quick site tour. Yeah. And I'll cook you some dinner. Excellent. That um, like and then I've got some questions at the end that are just for fun. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. That's Brilliant. good. Right, we'll That's catch good. you. It will literally be seconds, but... <laughs> but not for us. Yeah. <laughs> Right, we've got to go get beer first. Yeah, oh, that sounds yeah. like a plan. <laughs> so, although that seemed really quickly to you guys, we've just, that was about three hours for us, I think. Yeah, at least. <laughs> <laughs> so, so pick up the threads again. Yeah, so I've got to remember where we got to now. Um, so I've been cooking for the last couple of hours. So we've got mm -hmm. some lamb shanks and vegetables, uh, a bit of cheesy barley. Yeah, All recipes good. from the books and a bit of bread, which I didn't make, but, uh, and then... Uh, one of your recommended local yes. beers, uh, Ennerdale right. Wild yeah. Craft yeah. Brewery. From the local Ennerdale Brewery. Yeah. yeah. So we'll have a bit of grub, we'll keep chatting, and then if it's not too bad noise-wise, we'll take you for a little Ooh. sight tour to finish. Nice barley. Is all right? Yeah, I like that. Yeah. It's a bit of a favourite of ours. You sort of call it a barley risotto, mm. but, and it's easier than risotto. It does, have, it does have that risotto texture to the mm. Mm. But you find the, um, if you make a risotto, you're stirring for hours. With this, you can just chuck it in a pot and leave it. Mm -hmm. No, mm. nice that. Good. I've got these lovely big lamb shanks, which I've just found out you don't really like lamb either. <laughs> I like mine a little bit, but I'm, I'm not, a, not a big lamb fan. But I'm, mm. I'm weirdly not a big meat fan. No? Proper Viking. A proper Viking, <laughs> yeah. Proper Viking. Doesn't eat meat. Vegetarian Christian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's just, it's, I've always mm. been that way. I've, I've uh, just not yeah. been big on the meat. That's not big on meat. Mm. Yeah. It, it, it disappoints Sue because I go up with Sue <laughs> and Sue will order a steak and here's me with a bit of chicken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she doesn't understand me. Is it because you, you've got animals on site, so there's a lot of sheep and stuff running around? Are you... No, that doesn't bother not, us. No. I'm not, that's, that it's not like not... an ethical thing, it's just... No, just no, don't I, I remember as, as, uh, as kids, my dad kept cattle. He was selling to the local butchers. Yeah. And then uh, we'd have... Because we didn't keep many cattle, it was just a small number. We knew them all, and they were like, they were yeah. like pets. And then and we sat at lunch one day, and... Uh, he was sitting there, and my mother would say, "Oh, he's a slice of such and such," and she named the cow. He was like, "Oh, oh. that's think, the one oh, thing they nice. don't do. Yeah. <laughs> don't name the animals." Mm. Yeah, I, it's it's a bad idea. But uh, yes, yeah, so I was brought up in a household where we ate the pets. Yeah, and you so, grew up around here too, right? Yeah, been here my entire life. Um, I was fetched up in Plumland, which is. Six, seven miles down the road, this little village. Yeah. So, yeah, I was born at a spit, yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah. So, very local. Yeah. My entire life I've been, I've lived around here. Have you always had the interest in the history as a kid growing up? Was that a. I was aware of it. I knew there'd been Vikings in the area. Mm. The weird thing at school, um, I went to Beacon Hill School at a spit, yeah, and there was mm. a, a major Viking find on the playing field behind the yeah. school. Uh, that was 1890s, 1900s time, and they found. You were at school that long ago? Yeah, I'm yeah. older than I look. <laughs> <laughs> but the weird thing is, our history class that we were in, that the big windows along the side of the classroom, and we looked yeah. out over the playing field, mm. and it'd be five years at Beacon Hill School, never once did the history teacher mention, oh, they dug up a Viking out there. It was never mentioned. Really? And when I find out, 
I think that's what kind of prompted us to find out more, because you think, well, mm. what else have I not been told? You know, and it mm. kind of, and then you, then you sort of get into it, and then as time goes on, you find the way I speak's been influenced by the Vikings. Or yeah. you know, place names are influenced by the Vikings. There's all this Viking stuff in the churches around here if you can't have a look. Mm. You know, and then you realise you're just in the middle of a huge Viking settlement area. Yeah. And uh, and then as I've started doing this work, and like I say, we worked doing this building here with the Icelanders and so on, mm. and that, that really fired us once I started doing this. So the interest was there. But once I got involved with Grampus and started doing the project work, then it really came up. Mm. Um, so, and I won this. Well, it was the start of this. This building was the start of it for me on the site. This little forge. Yeah. You should probably say so. This is the forge we're talking about. The original Moor Forge. Mm, the original Moor Forge. And it's more very authentic. Moor Forge comes from because the house next door was, is Moor House. It was House. Moor Cottage. The, the house is Moor House, yeah. Yeah. So uh, when I went self employed, I just, uh, as a blacksmith, I just called myself Moor Forge. Hmm. So it made sense. It was just a. So, yeah. So is that something you did straight out of school, was it, blacksmith? Yeah. yeah. I went, uh, I served my time as an industrial blacksmith at the Steelworks. Yeah. Which is long gone, unfortunately. So, but I was there. Till I was 21, I came out mm. and I served my time uh, as an apprentice. And it was all heavy forging, steam on my work, that kind of thing. Mm. And then when I finished my time, it was at the time that the steel business was taking a, a nose dive. Mm. And they were downsizing and everything and they just didn't need another blacksmith. So I got paid off uh, and I went as a steel fabricator, putting farm buildings up for a few years. And then I had 17 years contracting on site at Sellafield as a welder mm. fabricator. And then it'll be 18 years ago now. Yeah. Uh, I decided, well, I'll go on my own. I'll, mm. I'll do my own thing. So uh, I, uh, I set up as a blacksmith here. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, lovely sight, because on a, on a clear day, you can see right across to Scotland, can't you, from here? Yeah, not today, Not today. <laughs> we haven't but got the yeah, best weather. We look right right across, right right across, you've got the Solware Firth comes right up here. Um, and we're looking right right across until uh, uh, Dumfriesia. Yes, Dumfries and Galloway. Dumfries and Galloway across That's the it. water. I was yeah. trying to, I couldn't think myself. Yeah, I went, went Brendan for a second there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, our friend Wildcat lives across the, mm. across the way there. Not far away. Mm. Well, not a big meat lover. It's all right. The lamb's fine. Nothing mm. wrong with that. Mm. It's all about having it cooked for long enough. Just that yeah. long, slow cook. This has been on for probably about two and a half hours, maybe mm. th maybe three even by now, because we got gas in the way, didn't we, off off camera? <laughs> yeah. Sidetrack slightly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, probably closer to three hours of cooking, mm. which it's really tender. Yeah, it is. So I thought I'd go lamb because of being Cumbria. It's a big county for for sheep, and you've got loads of sheep on site. Yeah, There's yeah. loads of lamb it running is, around. It is sheep lamb, yeah. <laughs> yeah, try and keep it local. Aye. 
Oh, yeah. All right, so we've come outside. I'm actually behind the camera for this bit. Yeah. Sorry, David, you're on your own. It's fine. Um, <laughs> but we just thought we'd show you the buildings. It is rather wet and miserable today. Mm, we probably should have done this idea. at the weekend. It's meant to be sunny. Yeah, well, never mind. <laughs> but so the building behind us with the turf roof, this is the one that you just saw us sat inside. Yeah, it's a, it's a little uh, traditional building from uh, Norway, Iceland, the north of Scotland. It's a harsh weather building. Heavy walls, low roof, turf, well insulated, easy space to keep warm. Used a lot as workshops, food stores, uh, sick animal barn, whatever. Um, the, uh, a lot of them were used for weaving houses. They would set up a loom in them and the, and the women would weave in them. Of yeah. course, this particular one, we've got it set up with a blacksmith shop. Yeah. yeah. And so, so sometimes I think on your open day, you have the, the forge running. Yeah, we'll, we'll, do, and... we'll do forge demos yeah. on the open day. It is a fully working forge and it is as it yeah. would have been. So we're, it, it's it's... It's 99% accurate to what it should have been, as far as we can tell. And I can yeah. vouch for its uh, waterproofness because we, our tent's blown down yeah, on site before. <laughs> and we've, middle of the night, we've been running to the forge to sleep in there. And it's, uh, you shut the door on that and it's, it's cozy. It's pretty solid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah in, solid. in a storm with the wind blowing, it's not going anywhere. Yeah. So, so then, so behind that one is the second one, which you which mentioned is our, earlier. Yeah, which is our uh, 10 metre long house. Uh, this started off as a workshop, right? It, it was initially intended to be a woodworking shop to complement the metalworking shop. So we built it and the back side of it was open. Uh, but we started doing events and so on and we needed a bigger enclosed space. So what we've done is we've closed in the back side, made the full longhouse. And it's made a really useful space and it's, it's a favourite to a lot of people. It, mm. uh, you know, it does well. We've got a fire on in there and it's nice and cosy and well it's your it's been your lodgings for the past it evening has. or so. Yeah. So and you It often is when we come it up. It often is when you come up, you usually end up living in there for the weekend. Yeah. So it won't show yeah. you inside because it's a bit messy at the minute and yeah. uh, there's other noisy. people in there. Other people in there, so we'll bypass yeah. that. It's too dark I think anyway, you probably wouldn't see a lot. Well that's true. So you, if you see <laughs> It's got your traditional hogback shape roof. Don't know how well I can get that on. That's, um, I don't know if you'll see it or not. It's higher. It's higher in the middle than it is at the ends, but it's wider in the middle than it is at the ends. Yeah. So it's kind of keep the roof at 45 degrees, and as you're building it, if the roof stays at the same angle because it's wider in the middle, then the top has to has to rise. And is it? I think are the roofs not built in the same fashion as the boats? Which is why it is kind shape. of it is that thing that they do have a bit of a boat fetish, yeah. uh, and and well of course it's their it's their big innovation is the boat is what enable them to trade to travel, you know and uh, there is tales of them pulling up on foreign shores and drag the boat up tip it upside down. Yeah, you got to instant roof. roof. Yeah, yeah. Hang, hang the sails around the side and they've got accommodation. Yeah. So it's uh, and it's how the start. So, but you can see the shape, perhaps better on the frame, the naked frame of the, of the new build. This one's 18 meters. Uh, you keep seven, talking, and I'm just gonna do seven a little... meters wide in the middle, and uh, it's a lot larger construction than the previous longhouse. And uh, as you can see, the frame's pretty much complete. And we've just started to clad the far end. So we've got a room and loft area at the far end of the build. It's, it's clad, so we want that completed for this summer to make us a usable space at the back. 
and then as we get into the summer uh, I expect that we'll have this if not finished at least watertight by winter that's that's the plan uh, so going into winter we have a, 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 a large usable indoor space yeah. that we can work with and work on uh, and there's a lot of work to go into that once it's clad we've got all the benches the fireplaces the iron work loads of carving and painting and decorating and mm -hmm. just and get it done out as a wealthy man's hall as yeah. it were yeah and it, so the doors are going to be at this end are they we'll have doors at this end and the, uh, yeah we'll have some, the main entrance at this end there is a side exit at the far end uh, so which goes out and up to the willow and so on there yeah uh, yeah, and then the only other thing we've got is your little workshop here as oh, well. There's a little there? workshop just, here, yeah. Uh, which you've got, I think, a little there's clay not, furnace in there. And yeah, there's a bead furnace and so on in there. It's uh, not really, we, we, we built it uh, on last summer. Uh, as the year goes on, we'll open the kit it out as a woodworking shop, so we'll have Paul lathe in there, shave horses, assorted tools, and it's just a useful, nicely sheltered workspace Get to where, where, where we can do a bit of green woodworking, some bit of bodging some furniture. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a bird nest up there, actually. There, yeah, I came in here earlier and frightened a pigeon, I think it was. Ah, there's, yeah. ah, there's doves about now. Yeah. So, yeah, so this will be a really good space once it's up and running properly. Mm. At present, it's just handy to have another covered space yeah yeah uh, so that's about it at, at the far end at the bottom of the car park we've got to put up an animal barn along there the palisade fence will continue around the site to enclose it and make it more inclusive yeah uh, so that it separates the modern from the old so we've got a nice definition be between the two and, and on the other side of the new frame once this new longhouse is finished on the other side of there we're going to build a little early Christian chapel and again, that needs all kitted out with a bit of nice stone work and yeah. Oh, there you go. There you go. Uh, uh, <laughs> Missed and, that. Uh, yeah. So yeah, and that's kind of the sum total of the site, but it'll take years because once the buildings are, are up, it's the level of detail that we need. Yeah. So whatever goes on, there'll be stuff, <clears throat> and uh, there'll be stuff going on. There'll be courses running, and a lot of the courses will be producing more arty type items for the site whether yeah. it's carve wood wood carving furniture making whatever it is yeah and it's uh, getting genuine stuff on site as well as running various other craft courses yeah. of course yeah well we're getting wet so if we move back inside we can tell people because there's a question that's coming up at the end of the podcast yeah. that might uh, tie in nicely with what you've just said so we'll move back inside the forge and we can get out of the rain. Because it's not nice out here. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely Cumbria. <laughs> right, so there are six questions that I <gasps> ask every guest. All right, so the first question, and I think we probably, I can guess the answer to this one, is if you had an unlimited budget, what would be your dream project? Well, I think we're among it here. You, you, you know, you've seen around the site and what we do, and to continue that, to mm. complete it, to add the level of detail and so on, mm. to be able to put into it everything that I want to put into it mm. yeah an unlimited budget would be most helpful yeah, fully furnished yeah. longhouse well this is it with all the detail and the carving and the mm. artwork and everything else that's needed to go with it yeah I would go with that mm. okay 
Uh, oh, see, my mind's gone blank again. Oh, good, <laughs> good one. Yeah, I'm good at this. <laughs> Not going to quit my day job just yet. <laughs> That's it. So, um, do you think you could survive on a Viking Age diet? Yeah, I could survive on it. <laughs> I could survive yeah. on it. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, of course you could. I mean, a lot of straightforward basics, mm. a lot of one-pot cookery, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Not yeah. like we just done. I'm, I'm good with barley and veg and a bit of meat thrown in. Yeah, it's all yeah. good with me. Yeah. Yeah. So is there anything you'd miss on a Viking Age diet? I have a horrendous sweet tooth. Yeah. So that would be the thing I crave. I crave sweetness. So yeah. it's, yeah. I'm What's a bit the favourite? Oh, chocolate and ice cream. It's just, you know, yeah. it's like, pfft. yeah. But weirdly, I don't like chocolate flavoured ice cream. Uh, you, uh, they're quite different yeah, things though, aren't different they? different things. Yeah, yeah. Chocolate and ice cream are two... Different things, best kept that way in my book. <laughs> Not even a mint chop chip. <sighs> the mint helps. <laughs> <laughs> even that chocolate, though, it's not normal it's chocolate, not, is it? It's normal like chocolate, plain no. chocolate. Or yeah. It's, it's mm. almost like that stuff you get for cooking, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Anyhow, mm. that's, so that's yeah. the one. I miss sweet stuff. Mm. Mm. What's the worst thing you've ever eaten? Hey, it's, it's mainly. From, I mean, obviously, I avoid the worst things now, and I have a pretty broad palate. Yeah. So my worst flavours come from my childhood. Mm. Couldn't abide tapioca pudding. That's a fair one. Semolina is <laughs> pretty much in the yeah. same milk. Not a fan of that. But if you're looking yeah. for something that I re the one thing mm. that makes me gag is tongue. I could never get it, and it's not, yeah. you know... I'm not bothered where the people say, is it because it's out of a cow's? I don't care where the tongues come from. I eat oxtail. It's not yeah. that. So it's not yeah. that. <laughs> but it just for something, whether it's the texture or something or whatever, I don't know. But it's the one thing that makes me gag. So, yeah, tongue. That's a good answer. I can eat it. Mm. Um, the issue I have is I find it really difficult to bite into. I think it's because I, and I've said, I think I've said this on an earlier episode, but you're biting into a tongue. And you've got a tongue, and so for me it's psychological. So it's not the text. The text they taste fine. You could say you could say the same of rump. You're biting into a rump. And you've got your you've got your own. I know, but I think <laughs> it's because there's a tongue in my mouth yeah. tasting the tongue, and ah, there's there's a thing uh, in my head that goes, "Hang on a minute." Uh, is it going to taste like when I bite my own tongue? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Am I going to like this so much? I'm just going to keep chewing. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, that's a, I mean, it's, it's, it's getting into horror film territory, like, eating your own face, man. <laughs> mm. All right, so the next question is, um, is there a most memorable meal? Hey, as I say, I've got a broad palate, so yeah. I like most things. But given location, circumstances, and the food... I think back to down in the quarry at Threepland where Grampus are based. Yeah. And this is going back oh, been nearly 10 years now. And they had some Romanian guys over mm. doing a lime burn and they'd built a lime kiln and they'd packed it. We were actually doing, uh, making, burning limestone to make slake lime. Yeah. And so they light the fire and just feed it with logs for, I think it was like 48 hours straight there to keep this fire burning. And there was four or five German foresters there. They were over on a different project, but they were down there at the same time. Mm. So while this is going on, these guys come up with this huge joint of 
lamb, pricked cloves into it, wrapped it in foil, dug a hole, and they got some of the hot rocks out of the bottom of the lime kiln, yeah. into the hole, buried it, cooked it on hot rocks, and it was in there for about three hours. Mm. And I am not a lamb fan, but that lamb was lush. Mm. It was fantastic, just the way, and it would just, it was literally just flaking away, crumbling. Mm. Very, very nice. So, given that, uh, a piece of lamb I really liked. That lamb was good, but this lamb was better. <laughs> I'm being tactful here. I'm being tactful here. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and yeah. just the circumstances, these German guys just on spec turned up with this yeah. lump of lamb and cooked it in a hole in the ground. And the circumstances we were doing this big old lime burn and all kinds of things. Mm. And it was just the combination of it all. We yeah. sat down, lumps of bread and this, uh, and this lamb. What a brilliant lunch. Mm. Yeah. Sounds great. It was good. Mm. <laughs> All right, so the very last question for you <clears throat> is you've died and your friends and family are preparing your grave goods. Mm -hmm. What food and drink do you get to take to feast in Valhalla? <sighs> it's going to be dark beer and mead. I will presume on the drink side, mm. they know me well enough to know that <laughs> I'm happy with dark beer and mead. Uh, although I have been known to quaff a nice brandy. Yeah. But anyhow, that, that's a. Uh, <laughs> food wise, hey, I don't know really. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's a kind of thing where I, like, I do like broths and stews and things like that. So, probably a good old beef stew or the makings for a good fry up. I do like a good English. Yeah. That kind of that kind of stuff. <laughs> if you could talk and and if it's stuff that's uh, almost classic you, British food. Classic maybe. British food. You, I can't go far wrong with it. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and, I, and I do like it. It sort of harks back to me. I was brought up on meat and two veg sort of yeah. upbringing with potatoes on the side, and that was you know. And then on Friday it was Daily fish and staple. chips on a Friday, and that was similar upbringing. I yeah. Think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so was, yeah. Yeah. So just. Good, plain eating. So I think mm. that's what they would put in, just good, plain, mm. standard food, really. Mm. Yeah. With a bit of beer and mead. Yeah, yeah. Well, that'll do us. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so before we close, we should probably just do a little plug. Um, I don't know if you want to plug your social media stuff. Probably not your private stuff, but... Um... There's nothing on my private stuff anyhow. You're welcome yeah. to have a look. You won't find anything there. There's nothing private on there. What have you you've uh, got an Instagram and a Facebook for Moorforge? There's an Instagram and Facebook for Moorforge. Please look at it. Anything that's happening on site, it'll be it'll be pushed on there first, so you'll know what's coming up. I'm trying to think uh, what your actual tag is. I think it's Moorforge Viking Settlement on Facebook. Yeah. I think it's Moorforge Cumbria on Instagram, if I remember. It could be. Because we had an issue with the original name. Mm. I'll put a mm. link underneath, yeah, so you can find it. But, but I mean, if you yeah. if you type Moorforge in, it's not going to come up. With if you anything. if you if you just Google Moorforge, you'll find yeah. us just googling it, Moorforge. And you haven't got a it website at the minute, have you? We haven't got a website at the moment. We did have one, and then it kind of pandemic time come, and it kind of fell by the wayside, and it wasn't getting used. And <laughs> it was, you know, but we, it's something as yeah. we're sort of getting back into things again. It's something that we're looking to yeah. advance again. So yeah. Hopefully we'll have one soon, but mm. you'll find, just Google Moorforge, you'll find us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right, thanks again for coming on. No problem, thanks for having us.
Yeah. Well, thanks yeah, for enjoyed, having us. I, en I enjoyed that. We're up at Moorforge. Uh, yeah. For the least, weekend. Yeah. And we're, mm. up, we're up every year normally doing something or other. Always a pleasure. It's always interesting. I always learn something. So, yeah, thanks for coming. That's all right. Thank mm. you. You're welcome. Mm. Right. Bye-bye. Cheerio. If you enjoyed the show and want to hear more, remember to like and subscribe and give the show a rating. You can also help keep the show going by becoming a Patreon where you'll get early access to all episodes. Or check out my range of merch on my store. Links are in the episode description. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>